You're listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlite student pilot Steve Middleton. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Ready for Departure podcast. First, an apology. Sorry about last week. A few things got on top of me and before I knew it, the weekend had come and gone and I'd had no time to sit down and think about what subjects I should talk about. It's a bit annoying because I still have loads of things to chat about, but I do feel, just as with flying, I need time to prepare. Which brings me nicely on to this week's subject. I want to talk about my final qualifying cross-country flight, which is something I've been preparing for for the last few weeks. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you'll know that I've been trying for quite a while to fly to Inns Airfield, which is on the west coast of the UK, close to Formby. I haven't counted how many solo slots I've booked and had to cancel for Inns, but I can tell you that I've planned the route using just a map, protractor and ruler at least half a dozen times, if not more. I actually think I could plan that route in my sleep. Anyway, I haven't flown it. In Sayerfield has been waterlogged for months, apart from a very small window in March, which I missed. Anyway, I've temporarily given up on Inns, and my instructors and I decided that Slate in Shropshire, with its four tarmac runways, was perhaps a better option. Everyone I've spoken to raves about Slate. Great people, great cafe, a super little museum apparently, easy to find and sensible landing fees. I definitely wanted to fly to Slate, but not yet. My grand plan was to complete my final qualifying cross-country to Inns, apply for and gain my licence and then fly around a bit building up my skills and confidence before I ventured down the Manchester low-level route on my own. I most certainly did not want to attempt the journey without a GPS or my Sky Demon. Anyway, the weather had other plans so plan B, sleep. I'm always a bit wary about doing something new. I don't consider myself to be a particularly meticulous person but I do like to plan things well ahead of time and if possible practice them as much as I can beforehand. I'd only planned the trip to Slate once before I eventually flew it, which was yesterday, so I hadn't studied that area of the map as much as perhaps other areas. I've flown mostly to the north and west of my base at City Airport Manchester Barton, and this meant I was mostly unfamiliar with the points of interest to the south. Before I flew my Blackpool qualifying cross-country, and before my aborted attempts to get to Inns, I'd studied the map and route endlessly, noting all the useful reference points that would help me positively identify my position using just the map and my Mark 1 eyeball. I feel I know those routes and those areas quite well now. I was pretty well prepared and have flown them safely and accurately as a result. The Blackpool trip did introduce some new procedures for me though, such as a new runway and Wharton Lars was closed, whereas when I'd crossed the Wharton mats with my instructor it was open and I was able to get a service from them. I also arrived at Blackpool's ATZ boundary while their air traffic controllers were temporarily closed, so I had to make a decision without the advice of the instructor, which was several orbits until they'd reopened. Anyway, I digress. Getting back to Slape, and in particular, flying south of my base at Barton. I'd not really studied the map as much as I would have liked. I hadn't pre-flown the route using Google Earth as I'd done with Ince and Blackpool, so I relied on the CAA's helpful VRPs, those are visual reference points, and hoped that would be enough. Uh, no, not really. It wasn't a great start either as I'd forgotten to PPR, so after fishing out my well-buried phone, I did that from the aircraft. Prepared, you say? Takeoff and circuit into the overhead was normal, as it was well practiced, but then it was off into the unknown. As I descended below 1,300 feet to get into the Manchester low-level corridor, I felt a sense of foreboding. This was unfamiliar territory. If I venture too far up, too far to the left, or too far to the right, I'm going to bus controlled airspace. There'll be radio calls, diversions, phone calls, and paperwork to fill in. Plus, my instructor is going to be really unhappy, and I guarantee he won't let me fly that last qualifying cross-country. I didn't want that. 
The newness of it all, the unfamiliarity did make me nervous. So it wasn't a brilliant trip down. Did need the advice of someone who had made the trip before. It's just those bits of detail that make all the difference. Things like a disused airfield with distinctive blue industrial units on one side, twin cooling towers, Manchester Airport's two main runways. Okay, the last one is a bit obvious, but if they're not off to the left or right, depending on which leg of the journey I'm doing, then something is seriously wrong. So the journey down to Slate was high workload for me. A little bit more prep on my part might have just made it a bit easier, but you know what? Sometimes you can't prepare for when something new happens. As I see Slate Airfield Head, my instructor asked me what my plan is. I fall back on my training. Dead easy, I say. We want runway 05 and we're coming in from the north. The circuit is right hand. And once I fly over the 05 numbers, begin my descent dead side. I've never flown here before. I've never landed on a 05 runway in my life, but I've been well taught. If I do say so myself, my airfield approach was fairly good. I also haven't spoken to an air to ground service before. If I'm honest, I could probably have fumbled my way through, but still, with that expert sat in the right seat, I got those little bits of advice that perhaps I could have picked up if I'd watched a few more slate videos on YouTube. On landing, like my first trip to Blackpool, it's helpful to have someone who's been there before. Where do you park? What taxiway is the one to use? Where do you pay? Where are the toilets? And most importantly, where is the cafe? I never did find a cafe at Blackpool. If you know where it is, please let me know. There wasn't time to explore slate this time. But it's a lovely little airfield, and there were a few aircraft parked up when I arrived, with three more arriving as I was starting to leave. I do look forward to coming back to explore the little museum that is behind the cafe. So departing then, that was all new as well. At Barton we have an information service. They control us up to the holding point of the runways. At Blackpool it was full ATC. They tell you what to do, and I'd grown accustomed to that. But at Slate it's an air to ground service. This is more of declaring your intentions to do something than doing it. The decision to enter a live runway solely rests with the pilot in command. In this case, me. I watch the two aircraft before me to see how they do it. They announce over the radio they are backtracking, then they backtrack. They announce they're taking off, then away they go. No permissions, no departure instructions from the tower. I got some hints and tips from my instructor, but ultimately, I've been taught how to do this. I know how to do it. It might be a different airfield with different radio procedures than I'm generally used to, but this is where I get to put my training to actual practice and start to make decisions for myself. I was fairly happy with my decision making, and so it seems was my instructor. The trip back felt a lot easier. I knew what to look for. I was starting to get ahead of the work. In fact, at one point, I got too far ahead and descended to my low-level corridor planned altitude about 10 miles before my waypoint. There's a getting ahead of things, but that was a bit ridiculous. As I got myself into the low level corridor at 1,100 feet, I was able to notice those little features my instructor had pointed out on the way down. This was so much easier with that little bit of extra knowledge. I have to say, I really enjoyed the return journey. A lovely day, a new airfield under my belt, the comfort of knowing where I was going and what to watch out for. Yeah, really enjoyable. My instructor decided to give me a little unplanned detour on the way back. We cut the corner off my planned route and scooted in between Thelwall Viaduct and the small grass strip at Warrington. Luckily for me, by that point things were starting to look familiar again and I started to recognise things I was seeing out of the window. The return was uneventful, as was the landing, but something's been bugging me for a little while now. Go arounds. What's this got to do with new airfield and new procedures you might ask? I've done tons of go arounds, loads of them. I'm the king of go arounds. Okay, not quite the king, but I've done a lot of go-arounds, so there should be no reason why I can't execute a perfectly good go-around. 
And you know what else? I can. If I'm at Barton and I don't like an approach, I go around. But what is it about something different and new that seems to stop me making that decision to go around? You'll remember from episode 9, I did it on my general skills test. I performed a terrible landing that should have been a go around all day long, but because I was out of my comfort zone, I made a decision to land whatever. I did it again at sleep. It was all new. The circuit was unfamiliar, I wasn't sure I'd extended my downwind enough, which I had, and so it was all back to feeling new and different again. The wind was strong, I'd decided on one stage of flat, but the instructor wanted two stages, so in that second stage went quite late, and as a result were quite high. This didn't feel planned or well practiced at all. Anyway, I made it down, but the wind was a little variable, so I landed off to the right side of centerline. There was a definite bounce as well. Probably initial round out was too high. I seem to recall I did that at Blackpool when I was solo too. Why didn't I go around? I didn't go around because at no point had I even thought about the possibility of a go around. I think I need to add a new step in my personal Steve checklist. I should be saying to myself before every landing, this might be a go around. I'm going to try that on my next flight and see how it adjusts my decision making. It's annoying because I just know if I'd made that kind of approach at Barn, I would have gone around no question. I guess from here on in it's all going to be new now. I have my final qualifying cross country to slate, which if the weather holds I hope to complete this week. It will be different, I know that, because every flight is. Yesterday's Shoreby radar was closed, with it being a weekend, but I plan to do my qualifying cross country back to slate during the week, when they will be open, so that's an extra bit of radio work I need to slot in. I'm going to hazard a guess and suggest the runway will be different too, so that's a new approach and something else to factor in. Hopefully, after this week, I'll be able to submit my licence application to the CAA. And while the learning never stops, I want to explore some new airfields across the UK as I extend my flying skills. There will be no instructor sat next to me who can give me the benefit of his or her experience though. It will all be on me as pilot in command. I hope that next week, weather willing, I'll be able to update you on my final training flight for the MPPL licence. And that's it for this episode of the Ready for Departure podcast. I hope you found this topic interesting. I'm curious to know how any new pilots listening have dealt with flying somewhere for the first time. Do let me know via email, Twitter or Facebook. Details are on the website. Safe flying and do join me for the next episode. See you next time. Don't forget, if you want to participate in future episodes of this podcast, please get in touch and it would be great to hear the views of other students, fully qualified pilots or even instructors. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.